everything we've done has led up to right now. Right now. Because legacy are full of legends. You can become a legend today, boys. Put your stamp on history. Put your stamp on a legacy. It is going to take all of us, all of us, men, be not afraid. Do not be afraid to be a legend. Welcome to OPA Podcast, episode 18. This is the Rutgers Takeover Edition, part one, with one of your hosts. I'm Jason O. And I'm Griffin. Jake Paulson, I still love you, even after you dropped the easy touchdown pass. There was no one within 30 yards of you, most. First, we're going to let Griffin go on a bit of a rant since he has been present in some of our episodes. So I'll let you take the floor. All right, so this kind of goes back to last week when I missed the podcast. Um, I just I'm kind of gonna gotta kind of go quickly go through the game at different points. Uh, maybe just rant on a couple different things. So first quarter, two minutes in, Kamal strips, or yeah, Kamal strips uh, Peters. Uh, Illinois recovers it. That was kind of a downer, but just kind of Kamal in general of like how he is built in his lengthy arms. He will be a great pro style. Uh, linebacker someday, so I'm really excited to see that. Uh, the pick six from Tanner that put Illinois up seven to zero. That was a little disappointing to see, but what I think is so funny is that like T- Tanner always talks about failures, growth, and how to respond from that. And it's literally like almost every game he has to fail in order to succeed. Because like Georgia Southern, he did the same thing where he. The first two plays of the game, he tried to go two slant routes. One of them was close to getting picked off. The second one was picked off. But then through the rest of the game, him himself, he was fairly, fairly good with the ball. So I don't know what it is with like the resu- like the the process of like that goes through his mind. But then he just responds like in a professional uh, manner. I, I just don't get. I don't understand it. Anyway, uh, Antoine Winfield with the interception, blatant uh, miscommunication and overthrow. But we'll take that. Uh, a lot of missed tackles. We know, we all know Reggie Corbin is a grown man. He has a killed us last year with our Rob Smith defense, um, but that have obviously had to get better, and it was better this week. But we still have room to improve. Um, kind of moving to the second quarter, uh, there was a truck stick, which was I forgot who it was. It was a couple minutes in, but uh, was it Mo? Maybe it was Mo. But we got like sixty yards. Um, Rodney. Was it Rodney? I figured. Mo was out until. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, this week was the first week they were all three back. Um, nine, nine minutes to go. Rodney gains 17 yards after Illinois shows 18, or not 18, Jesus, uh, eight people in the box. So that dude can find any hole and his little legs can churn and he will push any pile. Um, one and minute left. Second level. Yeah. Um, one minute left. Shannon Brooks with the touchdown. Love that. Just kind of overall stats. Uh, we're averaging 35.8 points a game, not counting this week in the stats. On offense, which is awesome, averaging 27.2 points on defense. I'd like to see the number get lower. Um, it's weird to say that the driving force, I think, of this whole team is Tanner, who's now 10-2 and as a starter, but back then it was like 9-2. and uh, He's ranked fourth in passing efficiency, among names like Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, um, really, yeah, and Justin. I think he was fourth on that list. Justin Fields, like the dude is. 
I mean, then again, he's not even, sometimes he's not even throwing 20 passes a game, but you just think of the efficiency. And it could even be higher if Tyler Johnson didn't drop all these passes. But anyway, <laughs> QB, QB ratings, Illinois' QB ratings last week was just hilarious because they had 23.9 for Peters and then like 3.5 for Matt Robson. They were literally awful. Um, the Did they ever disclose the injury that we gave to Brandon Peters? Uh, wasn't it like, I thought it was like a clavicle or something. Man, we breaking quarterbacks clavicles this season? No, we're dropping defender, opposing teams left and right. Um, I'd say the one shining light about Illinois is Dele Harding, their linebacker, who had 15 total tackles. He was everywhere on the field. Uh, think of it as like a Fresno State Antoine Winfield. Uh, he is everywhere. And... The third down efficiency for the Gophers, we were 2 for 10 that game, so not great. But then again, it's Illinois, so we don't have to be great at a lot of things to win. Oh, Lovey Smith, one thing I noticed about the game is he loved playing cover two. Uh, That's kind of his style of defense, Uh, but I don't think it worked out very well just with his different versions. He had a lot of two high safeties, but, I mean, you can have one of our receivers go deep, the other kind of cut across the field on a short route. So, I mean, it didn't really do anything in my opinion, but that's just kind of who he is. And that's what they stuck with. Uh, again, we dropped too many passes. Tanner could have at least, at least been 15 for 17. Tyler dropped like six. He was, Tanner was nine for 17 overall, which was very, very sad to see. And those uh, passes were on point too. Like those were tan like, like, like you said, 15 to 17. Some of those passes were right on the mark in their hands or on their chest. Even if it was close, we ha- these receivers have the playmaking ability to grab it. Um, Tanner's not known for his accuracy per se, but he is known to uh, be efficient and get the ball at least pretty close where it needs to be, and the receiver should do the rest. I'm not saying I'm not excusing Tanner for his passes, but he knows they have to be better. But it's just something that they'll work on in practice, um, and then just kind of, I mean, that's kind of my quick, my quick rant is. Uh, Love the defense, love the run game, uh, and we just got to play mistake-free football. Now on to the Rutgers championship season. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Nebraska. What? We got to talk about that. Oh, yeah. That game. Right. Yep. So Saturday night under the lights, we smoked Nebraska 34-7. to Now making Nebraska 4-3 and overall. Gophers up to six and zero. We are undefeated. Thanks to that, we got we're now twentieth ranked in the country in the AP poll and in the coaches poll. Thank God. So some key stats. So Tanner Morgan um, had a pedestrian day. He was eight for thirteen, um, hundred twenty eight yards, nine point eight average, uh, with one touchdown. But he didn't need to do much after the first quarter. I'll be honest. No, he did because our running backs did everything for him. Um, I just thought it was so. Muhammad looks like he had just the better night based on touchdowns, but it was like Rodney and Shannon are getting all the big gains, and then Muhammad's just punching them in from you know five yards out. So uh, yeah, Rodney Smith, um, his stats uh, was 18 carries for 139 yards, 7.7 yards average with one touchdown. Brooks had. 13 carries for 99 yards for 7.6 yards average. Mo had 15 carries for 84 yards, 5.6 average, three touchdowns. 
and Tanner um, did a uh, did pulled it once, uh, having one carry for four yards. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it from the running back core. And I mean, we did this all with Falele out at right tackle, which yep. honestly like amazes me. Blaze did a heck of a job covering for him our entire offensive line, which was actually the biggest that we faced throughout this entire season so far. Um, yet they still could not penetrate uh, really through our uh, first line, our, off- our offensive line, and our pocket stayed pretty clean most of the night. There were just a couple times where if Tanner held onto the ball any longer, he would have gotten smoked. But yep. uh, we had John Michael Schmidt uh, started his first ever college football game at center for the Gophers, too. And he's been uh, crucial with the rotation in the last three games in Big Ten play. Oh, he absolutely has. I love having him available as kind of like our sixth man to help keep the line steady. Uh, he's gritty. He's earned it. And I just want to see him continue to grow uh, in this in whatever role he ends up being in more permanently. Yep, and then in terms of receiving, um, even though it was a pedestrian day, we still got some good stuff going on. Tyler Johnson had five receptions for 109 yards, especially that 45-yard-long yard reception. Just Should have been a touchdown, but that, that hoodie magic that he bring in, that hoodie magic, <laughs> or he was rocking that hoodie all night, and I was here for it. Yep, and then uh, Chris Aubenbell only had one reception for 15 yards, but that was the score of the first touchdown in the game. And then someone else only had one reception. Jake Paulson uh, for eight yards. He did drop that one pass for that TD, which made me sad. I hope they don't beat him up too bad for that, just given the outcome of the game. Um, Watching it right there on the sideline, I was right in front of my face. I was, uh, for lack of a better term, disappointed. Uh, I don't, Jake looked like he was trying to turn up field before he ever solidified control of the ball. Um, but I'm sure he'll never end up doing that again. Yep. And then, um, let's see here. Uh, let's check up on some more things. Um, of course, our boy, Kamal Martin, had uh, led the team in tackles. 15 total tackles, 6 solo. Um, second behind him was Antoine Winfield Jr. with 10 total tackles, 7 solo with 1 sack, but that safety blitz earlier in the game. Love that. And then um, behind them is Thomas Barber at 9 and Chris Williamson at 8. And both of them were credited with half a sack. And then other sacks was from Sam Renner and Carter Coughlin as well. Uh, Nebraska, I don't know if uh, people know this, but they after this game they gave up, I think, it was, I think they've given up somewhere between 18 and 20 sacks so far this year, which is most in the Big Ten. And mind you, we did this against, uh, was it Verdal was the name of the quarterback, not Adrian yeah. Martinez, so well, we heard and, this man instead. Yeah, we uh, who was it? Thomas Barber, when he was uh, scrambling towards the end zone, clipped him on the leg, and he got he even got up limping. So we are dropping defenders as a gopher defense left and right. Along with Wandale uh, Robinson. My God, yes, Wandale. We... At least everything is legal. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> yep. And then uh, Michael Lance um, did not make a field goal, but unfortunately he did miss an extra point on the last touchdown that we made uh, earlier in the fourth quarter. Um, I'm not sure what happened there. Did you see much from the foot, uh, game footage that we had? Uh, I didn't look at it too closely. I honestly thought he made it real time. I wasn't looking. I was. I just kind of assumed it was uh, going to go up and through. 
Um, but I, I don't know. He, he had a tendency in the first couple where he would kick it up and then it would go to his left if he's staring at the goalpost, and that was yeah. kind of the common theme. And then this next one just really hooked. I don't have no idea if it was a bad snap, bad hold, bad kick. I, I honestly haven't even looked at the footage, but mm-hmm. he was, what, four for five from extra points in a game that we knew was over at halftime. So... Yeah, from my point of view, so I had a good vantage point of the goalpost from the Pride Pit um, for okay. the student side, for our fans who aren't aware of the Pride Pit for the Minnesota Marching Band. Um, he missed it by like at least two to three feet from the post. Woof. Um, so it was bad. Like I don't think anyone was putting their brass instrument up on my end, uh, since that's where the trumpets are, so I don't know what the hell happened, but um, he needs to change his best, please. Uh, and Jacob Herbers uh, had a night. He had a total of five punts. While he did only average his, I think, a lower average of 34.8 yards per punt. But then again, those were like pinning him behind, like uh, still behind the 10-yard line, 5-yard line a couple times, like from midfield anyway. And his longest of the night was only a 50 yards. So I don't blame him. Only, only a 50. Yeah. Um, other than that... So, Griff, I want to recap this before uh, to recap the Nebraska game. Um, should Gopher fans at this point, or any Minnesota fan who knows Gopher football or Minnesota sports in general, is it too late for them to get on this train, or should they get on now? Since we're already halfway through the season well, at six and zero. First of all, they're not getting on a train; they're getting on a boat. Uh and it is not too late. I I will still take newcomers because I think we look at a team like Nebraska and in Lincoln, that's the show. That's all they have. That's it. You have Minnesota where we should have more attention to our name right now, but we have all the major sports organizations. Um, it's a tougher ticket to sell because of the past, because of all the other competition in the area. But it is not too late. I am more than willing to continue to take people on the boat. Uh, this is potentially a historic season. We are six and zero for the first time since two thousand four. We are three actually. Oh, oh, three. Thank you. Uh, we've won eight games straight, dating back to last season. We have scored one hundred and twelve points, I think, in Big Ten play. Uh, I just there's nothing. There's nothing preventing people from not showing up and having the Gopher University of Minnesota Golden Gopher football team be the hottest ticket in town at the moment, and it pains me to see empty seats in the stands. We so, only had at least recorded only 43,502 fans. Of course, the weather was a big factor, but like I thought from where, my, where I was standing and my vantage point, I couldn't see the second level of the student section that's the sad part i couldn't see it up that far. it wasn't even half full at the start of the game okay so no by knowing that i was expecting around a forty thousand marker of the fans that were there and nebraska travels well not you when you think about it nebraska oh. fans travel oh. well like very well and you know they cover like half the away side of the field right and they were quiet so it still felt like a home game <laughs> yeah so you know I agree with I agree with what you said. Like you know, we should be, uh, or at least be a, a hot, 
uh, ticket on, to be selling. The twin season is over. You know, they didn't make it past the uh, playoffs, unfortunately. So something to look at. The Vikings tickets are super expensive at this point as well in the NFL season. And, you know, they, you know, Vikings fans are also dedicated. You know, they've been to our stadium. Why not come to ours on the Saturday night, you know, football all weekend? And in the wild, they're not doing great. Like, what are they, 0-4 last I checked? 1-4. and 1-4. and four. There we go. And so, they lost tonight, so probably 1-5. and five. Yeah. So, you know, come on. Come on, Minnesota fans. We need you on this boat because we got six more games in the season, uh, and three of them are home games, Maryland, Penn State, and Wisconsin, and we're going to need you there, especially with Penn State and Wisconsin coming up at home. The Two Minnesota really good, Vikings. great teams. Yes. The Minnesota Vikings have always been our Minnesota's main football team, but it's going to take, unfortunately, going to take just more time and more sustained success before we see more uh, Gopher fans coming to TCF. But 40,000 is a great number for TCF to have, despite the weather. So I'm not too mad. Uh, it's up from last year's, and that's all that matters. He's yeah, last year was bad, but especially that Indiana game. Woof. Woof. Oh. All right. Uh, so let's move on. So uh, mid, some mid-season stuff. So... Um, before the podcast off air, I want to ask the guys on their, their midseason evaluations of the Gopher football team. So let me start with Laurent. So Laurent is at a concert tonight, unfortunately, but he said he gave the offense a B, he gave the defense a B, and he gave special teams a D minus. Um, and then Wyatt says uh, the Gopher team is slow and steady improvement, which is exactly what he wanted to see from this team from the start of the season. Uh, starting from game one. So what's your take then, Griffin, on this midseason uh, evaluation? Um, I'm mostly going to look at Laurens on this one, but when haven't I clapped back at Laurens? Um, <laughs> offense as a B, I think that is very low, just given our, like, our production from years past. I kind of alluded to it earlier, but we've scored 112 points, I think, in Big Ten play, which is the most in a a while. Um, Our run game is the best in the Big Ten. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is number two at the moment. Uh, We have our receivers who are... PJ is making... is currently forming future top-round NFL wideouts right now. What we have is absolutely incredible. The way he just continues to mold it. Um, so offense, I would disagree on that. We ha- we also haven't averaged that many points, I think, per consistently um, per game on offense in a while, dating back to dating back a lot of years. So um, moving on to the defense, I would say that is a very accurate assessment. A B is very accurate. Um, I we do not have a great red zone def- defense right now, but just overall, um, we have a lot of blown assignments because we we do tend to just give up a lot of large chunk plays, but then we, our defense seems to be on lockdown, and so obviously there's that inconsistency where I can see where Laurens would kind of give it more of a B, but. Um, but I'm going to go kind of more of like a B plus 
Oh wait, I'm agreeing with Lorenzo. Yeah, so oh, you're agreeing. So B is a valid point. Yeah, right? I'm agreeing. I would still go a little bit higher on a B plus, just because we look at this last game. J.D. Spielman broke off like a what was it like a 40 or 50 yard catch, and then he the following two twice. possessions we, and then they're out of field goal range. So it's just mistakes like that. Like that was just a simple blown coverage where someone uh, didn't have their man. But then again, it, you give up the one big chunk play, and then your defense is on lock. So that is very accurate. Uh, he looks a little pessimi- pessimistic on the special team side. Um, I don't. I'd. I'd still give it a B. I mean, I think he's looking at uh, Seth Green at Purdue, maybe. Yeah, um, but Herbers has done just fine. Meech has done just fine. Uh, Catching any uh, punts. Um, Ryersy. Um, I mean, I'm gonna... it has some inconsistencies of kicking out of bounds and not going to the end zone for a touchback. Oh, he does, but I still wouldn't rank that as low as a D minus. So yeah. I'm going to have to hear a little bit more on Laurent ends, but I'd say offense is. Um, and this is going to be a little bit high just because of my optimism but offense is an a minus defense is a b plus special teams is a b minus um these are just little quirks that um will get worked out we're still you know we're six and oh i'm not gonna we're doing enough things right where these can be you know kind of an afterthought so um that's that's kind of my thought um, my thought is that offense a B plus. I think the bye week finally gave him the click because like if this if the, if we did this predict these like midseason evaluations before the bye or during the bye, I would actually give the offense like a C, like like besides our bar receiver core, our O line wasn't doing well. The run game we were you know was it two to three yards average per carry, which is yeah. a low for um, our stable running backs. Um, and then when the bye hit, we we literally, the score doesn't reflect it. We, we did well against Purdue. Um, we did really well against Illinois. And then put the throttle down against Nebraska. Like, you know how Laurens brought up a few episodes ago? Like, you know, PJ tends to act nice once we have a comfortable lead. Like, oh, he, but. He just left the throttle down this game. <laughs> Maybe it's just because it's Big Ten play two and it matters a little bit more. But just he just he had the opportunity to blow Scott Frost out, and he wanted to run it down his throat. Yep. So I give the offense at the moment this midseason a, a B B plus, but they can be better. I yes, they can. I they can be better. Uh, I'm just very optimistic after this last game. <laughs> Gophers did not have a negative play from scrimmage in the first half, and yeah. I think that was very important. Um, we were picking up. Key third downs. We were blocking. Holy cow! Making um, our own big plays in the run game. There were just huge holes in the line everywhere. So, mm-hmm. uh, props to everyone on that. So, I mean, realistically, it might be more at a B plus, but right now I'm hovering at a very, very low A minus. Mm-hmm. So for defense, um, if this was before the buy, I would have given them a B minus, um, but at this point. They're more for me a B. God, I wouldn't even give them a B minus. Oh. <laughs> I'm giving them a B plus uh, at the moment. 
they're they've been the D line's been getting better in their packages and their blitz and getting to the quarterback now, especially with Sam Renner finally stopping with the penalties. Um Carter Coughlin kinda of figured out his niche, so did Micah Du Treadway, along with Winston de la Labadier. Um and the rotation of those guys as well. Uh linebackers, once Kamal was back, you know, the it solidified the leadership essentially with Thomas Barber and Kamal leading that linebacker core. Uh, and then Antoine and now recently Benjamin St. Just um, from our grad transfer from Michigan who has also stepped up um, so I can that's why I give that overall score to a B plus since you know we're taking like you know causing more turnovers um, or ca- like, you know causing them to uh, lose the ball either be a fumble or interception or just being there after like one or two big plays in each of the three games essentially so far in Big Ten play so for Combined, so both offense, defense, you know, B, B plus. Uh, so I kind of in agreement with Laurent's special teams. Um, I'm gonna give it a C, C plus. Um, again, inconsistencies with our uh, our kickers of Ryersey and uh, Lance. Again, they're new guys, and I'm not gonna put much blame on them. But of course, when it gets to like say crunch time against like Penn State or Wisconsin or Iowa, you know, I expect Michael Lance, you know, to be there to make those kicks. So does. Ryerson, especially if you know we're you know up by four and or or up by two and they just need a few goal to win the game to walk off with a win so um like in terms of coverage like you know on punt and kick return we, we've been fine i'll be honest and the punting game it's just kicking wise it infected the score more so i'll say more of a cc plus at the moment but they i think they can get better from there Agreed. All right, so that's it for our recap. So let's move on to preview uh, go to the 20th ranked Golden Gophers at Piscataway against um, Rutgers University, the birthplace of college football. Um, 3.30 p.m. Uh, PM uh, Eastern Standard Time kickoff, so 2.30 at home here in Minneapolis, uh, 2.30. Um, Griffin and I will be flying out this Friday to check out the game live, right, Griff? Oh, yeah. So that's why it's part one of Rutgers Takeover. Griff and I are taking over for tonight, and then we'll do a special episode right after the game um, on Saturday. So um, right now, here's some key things I'm looking at. So ESPN's um, uh, FPI, FPI, so Football Power Index, is giving Gophers 94% to Rutgers 6%. Um, and then Vegas's Lions has a spread of favoring the Gophers of minus 29 and the over-under at about 48 last I checked. I, 48 just sounds high because I think Rutgers is that team where, I know PJ's had some history there with Shiano. Uh, I think he still has, it's, it's so many of our coaches too have, gone through Rutgers as well. Rossi, Shiraka, Fleck. Exactly. And so, like, I don't think it's one that he necessarily wants to, like, purposefully and with strong intent just run it down their throats and run up the score. Uh, so. And he also knows the current interim coach of Rutgers, too. Like, they work with together as when he was a recruiter there back then as well. Exactly. And so he does have a lot of respect for him. So I don't think... I think they know what the outcomes of the game is going to be, but if they don't have to run up the score, they're not going to. Um, I don't know if that's ever going to be an issue. Um, I haven't looked super, super 
deep into Rutgers this season just because you know they're going to be bad. But they only have seven points in Big Ten play. Mm-hmm. They've gotten yeah. shut out by dang near everybody. Yeah, some key team stats for Rutgers. They only averaged 11.8 points per game. Um, they allowed 36 points per game. Um, they have 266.7 total yards, 161.5 passing, 105.2 rushing. They have allowed 450.2 yards total, which is up to about 241 yards pass and 209.2 yards rush. Oof. Like, it's not even oh, That's a wolf duh. Like, damn. But what's going to help them is that they announced throwback uniforms inspired by the brick, black iron gate, and stained glass of Queens College. Why would they do that? Because if you're going to lose, you better do it in style. (laughs) I don't know if they're actually wearing them for this game or not, but um, they do kind of look cool. They're a lot better than Wisconsin's ugly throwbacks. Yeah. Um, some key things. I heard um, Sikowski, their quarterback, who used who went to school together with our current quarterback, one of the quarterbacks, Zach Anikstead, back at IMG with Curtis and Daniel as well. Yes. Um, he played four games, and he just literally just said, I'm taking my redshirt, and just sat out. So he's not going to be playing, even though he's their leading passer. Um, <laughs> and then I think Raheem Blackshear, their best you know, wide receiver slash running back, also said the same thing. Um, so he'll be sitting out, and he's their best re- uh, receiver um, in terms of team stats as well. So I don't know. I think at this point, in my opinion, looking at the current Rutgers team, like Chris, when Chris Ash was there, you know, we know they were a dumpster fire, but like they were a controlled dumpster fire. Like it wasn't getting out; it was stable. Even with Chris Ash losing games, once he got fired, shit just went down at that that week after he got fired. Is that just me? No, that, no, it's it's also me as well because you look at it and they look and they fire their offensive coordinator too, which I don't see what that accomplishes really. Um, I feel like if you're gonna you know try and build a new team, you just need a whole new staff. I think Chris was a good guy for the job, just given how hard the job was, and I think he was making progress. But when you have something that you need to fix, like Rutgers, it literally is going to take time. I mean, you look at when PJ took over Minnesota here, we you could have classified us something close to a dumpster fire. Um, but you see his recruiting style, his tactics, his energy, just the people he brings here, the coaches he brings here. Uh, literally, he's changed his program from, you know, bottom half of FBS to 20th in the nation in three years. That is a tremendous, tremendous and, as a as a head coach. And I know we're looking ahead, right now we're on the Rutgers championship season, but the media is talking about, you know, this is the Minnesota team they expected to be a contender to fight with Wisconsin and Iowa for the Big Ten West crown so they can go to the Big Ten championship. Right now, tied for first in the Big Ten West at 6-0 right now are both us and Wisconsin. 
And this is what it should be. Yep. Two, two gritty teams. And Wisconsin's coming back mad. Their defense has scored four touchdowns. They're, they want that axe back. <laughs> and their defense, I think, has only allowed four touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. And they want that axe back. So, um, at least some key things then. Um, well, we don't know much from the Rutgers, and especially with how like their quarterback and their player situation have went down the last two weeks, and I literally just lost track. I, I, get, I give up trying to plan for this team. Um, what can our Gophers improve on from the last, last game, and also what do they need to keep doing well into Rutgers? Well, I think the one thing, if, if we're playing Rutgers and we're kind of going um, almost like a high school team, I know that sounds extreme, but something that they can improve on is just blocking in general. Um, I think they blocked well. They blocked very well against Nebraska, but there's always things you can tweak. Uh, this is a great opportunity for them to kind of maybe test some new blocking patterns out or do different formations. I don't know. Whatever schemes they want to run, I think this is their time to do it uh, because this is not a high-caliber opponent by any means. Um, so this is a good opportunity to block. Um, and Tanner's going to have a very, very um, – healthy arm by the end of this game because they're just going to run the ball if they can the entire game. Mm -hmm. Like I would be shocked if there was if there was less than 300 yards for sure. I'm guessing there's going to be about 400. So um, would this be the game where we should put Daniel Fowley just to be a tailback for once at the in the red zone, five yards off from the, from the, from the yard line or the uh, goal line? I mean, shit, why not? <laughs> Do some okay. Do some spring game action here. Yeah, for me, I think it's just consistency. Like, of course, I'll go. Uh, I agree with what you say. You know, try some new things on offense or defense or special teams. You know, make sure like to try it out, especially against a natural opponent and not your own scout team or uh, defense back in own, or your own own doors. Especially, um, I think for me, it's just consistency. You know, if we're going to succeed for the rest of the season, we need to put that same consistency, but we've seen from an, an improvement from Purdue to Illinois to Nebraska to Rutgers. Yes, Rutgers may be a portable team, but if we're being consistent and we you know PJ is probably not going to throw the throttle down in the second half if we take a huge lead, um, you know, just be consistent and stay true to who we are and just do what we do best. Um, but would would you see this though? And I can see this happening. Say we get we go up uh, by four to five possessions, right? And it's still and Rutgers is still scoreless, or they have at least three points. Would that be the perfect opportune time for us as well to put Jacob Clark or Cole Kramer to get some playing experience? Oh, why not? I mean, they make well. <laughs> Because the redshirt rule, we have six games left, and what this game could be an option. That is very, that's very true. It just you don't want any freak accident to happen because if Rutgers sees that, they might have a, they might have a heyday. Um, but I still think at the same time, it's 
just going to be the quarterback handing off the ball. I guess there's a lot of stuff there with trust and movement just to, you know, get some like in some live in-game uh, experience with it. But, I mean, I guess you could put Jacob Clark or Cole Kramer in there, yeah, if you wanted to. I wouldn't see, I wouldn't technically, I wouldn't really be against that. Um, but just know that this is probably just going to be, you know, HB dives up the middle. I won't, don't think we're going to see a lot of Seth Green. I don't think we are going to I'm see a lot sure of, not, I'm not going to, I'm for sure going to see like maybe one or two times our tight ends go catch something and then it'll be blocking the rest of the day. Right. And we're going to have half of our starters sitting by the end of the third quarters for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm up to trying new things. We can just continue to block. Uh, blocking, man. <laughs> we, have an, we have an O-line that needs to get better. It has gotten better. But I just want to see us block behind three, our three-headed monsters of Shannon, Rodney, and Mo. All right. So let's move on to predictions then. So uh, Laurence, uh says Gophers on top. 42 to 24. Oof. And then Wyatt says Gophers on top, 30 to 13. So who's am I am I am I the one going next? Do you want to go or you do you want me to say it? Oh, I think I wrote something. I just can't remember what I said and I don't want to Oh, I said uh we're going to go 45 to 7 over Rutgers with the dub. Man, and I thought I was batshit insane. Hey, and I would like to add that Rutgers scores the first touchdown and then gets um, outscored. Uh, or we score 45 unanswered. So. You know what I'm going to say? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you're going to win. 52 to 14. In the fourth quarter. We're going to let Jacob Clark play. It's going to be third and eight. He's going to throw a pick six. They'll run it back for a touchdown to give it a 52-7 to game and an end right there. I don't know if that's me being optimistic or just being plain stupid at this point with this prediction. <laughs> I mean, I think we're all pretty generous giving Rutgers points at this point. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, so um, that's pretty much it for the recap for Rutgers, but we'll come in uh, post-game and maybe do some live action as well on social media. We'll see uh, when once that game happens, but uh, for sure, we'll see you guys next time. Um, any more takes or information uh, for the night? Um, I would just like to add, now that the fourth quarter will be filled with backups and players wanting some experience, we, in the fourth quarter, during Big Ten games, the Minnesota Golden Gophers play selection has been 39 rush and two pass. Oh. So, Cam, Bryce, get ready, because you might be running. Maybe Trey Potts as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we'll go that far. I don't know if we need six running backs. We barely need five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Still. Daniel Fire Lele, getting in that end zone. I'd almost even keep him out this game too. 
<laughs> just to be safe. I know he's probably fine, but I. All right. If all right. plays the way he did, that's all we need. All right, all right, all right. So thank you to all of our fans and listeners uh, for today's episode of Opa Podcast. So like I said, we'll be coming back at you guys again uh, very soon during the weekend post Rutgers game for the Rutgers Takeover Part 2. But uh, we'll see you guys next time. And again, my name is Jason. And I'm Griffin. I hope this doesn't turn into the game a couple years ago where it came down to a last-second field goal. Most. And we'll see you guys next time. And, oh!